one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to a history of Europe. Key battles. The Battle of Las Navas de Tolosa. Part 4 of 5. By the year 1173, the Almohad dynasty had established a powerful empire in northern Africa and southern Spain. Their control of Al-Andalus was now secure, especially after the death of their principal enemy, Ibn Mardanish, also known as El Rey Lobo. In September of that year, they launched a massive attack against the Kingdom of Leon. Having recently signed truces with both Castile and Portugal, they were able to devote all their efforts to the operation. The southern frontier of Fernando II of Leon collapsed, and the towns of Alcantara and Cáceres rapidly fell. Leonese territories south of the River Tagus were sacked, forcing the population to flee northwards to the city of Ciudad Rodrigo. King Fernando had made great efforts in the last decade to repopulate Ciudad Rodrigo and its environs and to turn the city into the key defensive linchpin of the region. To this purpose he had ordered the construction of walls two kilometres in length around the city. When the Almohads arrived in 1174, the walls were not yet complete. But fortunately for the Leonese, sufficient to keep out the enemy during a protracted siege. In October 1174, the Almohads abandoned the siege and headed home. Fernando took the opportunity to attack the retreating Muslim army and in so doing inflicted great losses on his enemy. José Javier Espartha writes in his book Modos y Cristianos, or Moors and Christians, that two of the weaknesses of the Almohad armies were their lack of expertise in conducting sieges and their poor level of organisation when in retreat, both exploited by the Christians in this case. This was fortunate for the Christians because the Almohad armies were usually of far greater size Overall, though, the Almohad campaign had been a success, with the conquest of all Leonese territories south of the River Tagus. The problem for King Fernando was not only the loss of territory, but that the new situation demanded a complete reorganisation of Leonese defences, and the heavy financial cost involved was a significant burden to a kingdom whose sources of income were limited. As retaliation against the Muslims, in 1177, Fernando led a plundering expedition deep into Muslim territory, going beyond the river Guadalquivir, as far south as Jerez. The key to Christian success against the Almohads in the long term would rest not only on single expeditions, 
but whether their kings were prepared to settle their own differences and unite against the infidel. It is significant that the other Christian kingdoms felt no inclination to provide assistance to Fernando. It is probably not surprising, considering that it was just a short time ago when a Leonese Almohad Truce had given Muslim armies the opportunity to attack Portugal and Castile. Pope Alexander III, 1159-1181, actively encouraged cooperation among the Christians of Spain, offering indulgences to those who fought against the Almohads and threatening to excommunicate anyone who collaborated with them. At this time, King Alfonso VIII of Castile came of age, after a long minority. His first concern was to settle quarrels with Sancho VI of Navarre, who had taken advantage of Alfonso's minority to occupy Castilian lands. In 1176, the two kings agreed to submit their dispute to the judgment of Henry II of England, who found in favour of Castile. With this matter resolved, at least temporarily, Alfonso VIII, aided by the Aragonese, could focus his attention on the Muslims of Al-Andalus. Aragon at this time was led by Alfonso II, who is known as Alfonso the Troubadour for his enthusiastic patronage of poetry. The combined forces laid siege to Cuenca, southeast of Toledo, and forced it to surrender on the 14th of September, 1177. The acquisition of the strategic town assured the defences of Castile's eastern frontier and also encouraged Aragon's southward expansion. The kings of Aragon and Castile afterwards continued their good relations. On the 20th of March, 1179, they signed the Treaty of Cazola, where they pledged mutual aid against all their enemies and agreed to the partition of the peninsula, including lands yet to be conquered. During this period, King Alfonso of Aragon's attention was given as much to the defence of his interests in southern France as to those in Spain. It is worth remembering that the realm of Aragon spread north across the Pyrenees and along the Mediterranean in this period. Count Raymond V of Toulouse repeatedly attempted to undermine the Aragonese position in Provence, going as far as to assassinate Alfonso II's younger brother, Ramon Berenger, who served as governor in the region. The Count of Toulouse also sought assistance from Genoa, but Alfonso responded by forming an alliance with Pisa, Genoa's great rival. By 1185, a peace treaty with Toulouse was concluded, giving Alfonso II a reasonably secure position in Provence. Meanwhile, the Portuguese, Leonese and Castilians fought in a series of campaigns against the Almohads. The Christians threatened Seville, Cordova and Malaga, and in response the Almohads made several attacks along the River Tagus, especially around Toledo, Lisbon and Santarem, a city about 50 miles northwest of Lisbon. In the spring of 1184, the Caliph of the Almohads, Abu Yaqub Yusuf, crossed the straits at the head of a massive army and headed to the city of Santarem, which he besieged. This time, unlike before, the Portuguese and Leonese cooperated. 
Together, Fernando II of Leon and Alfonso Enrique of Portugal forced the lifting of the siege. As in Ciudad Rodrigo, the Almohad army suffered significant losses as they retreated. The caliph was mortally wounded and died soon after. His son, Abu Yusuf Yaqub, known as Yaqub al-Mansur, 1184-1199, or simply as al-Mansur, returned promptly to Morocco to deal with uprisings there, leaving the Christians free to resume their raids. Al-Mansur was an able military commander, but its chief renown is based on the glorious flowering of Almohad architecture that occurred during his reign. Two of the highlights were perhaps the El Hassan Mosque in Rabat and the Giralda Minaret of Seville, since converted to the bell tower of the city's cathedral. On the other hand, Al-Mansur had little interest in any philosophical thinking that challenged his personal views. He publicly burnt the books of his father's philosopher friends and thus died, after a gloriously short period, official support for rational Islamic philosophy in the region. José Javier Espada, in his book The Moors and the Christians, praised the statecraft of Al-Mansur and wrote that he had very clear ideas on how to organise the state he had inherited. He was also active in promoting trade networks, especially around the Mediterranean. And after his father's reverse in Santarem, he decided against immediately returning to war, but instead to negotiate pacts with the Christian powers, with the maritime powers of Genoa and Pisa, as well as with Castile and Leon. The prime motivation was for sure not for an expectation of a long-lasting peace, but a pragmatic decision to consolidate his position and prepare for later conflicts to come. Both Christian kings, Afonso of Portugal and Fernando of Leon, passed away peacefully in the four years after the siege of Santarem. The various nicknames of Afonso I of Portugal, the Conqueror, the Founder and the Great, a testimony to his many great achievements throughout his long life. Not only did he found a new kingdom, but it doubled its size during decades of fighting against the Moors before his death in 1185. His sometime ally, sometime enemy, Fernando of Leon, died three years later in 1188, succeeded by his son, who became Alfonso IX, then only 17 years of age. In the same period as these events, thousands of Europeans were preparing to campaign in the Holy Land to liberate Jerusalem, which had been taken by Saladin in 1187. As at the time of the Second Crusade, fleets from northern Europe passed along the Portuguese coast and provided assistance against the Muslims. On their way, a joint Portuguese Crusader army besieged the city of Silves in the Algarve in 1189. Thanks to a German chronicle, we know many details about the campaign. Silves was starved into submission and after six weeks surrendered on the 1st of September. After sacking the city, the Crusaders resumed their voyage to the Holy Land. Caliph Al-Mansur was aware that he did not have the strength to take on the Christian kingdoms combined, 
so his policy was to form packs with some in order to concentrate his forces against another. In the summer, the Almohads renewed their truce with Leon at the same time as they were negotiating peace with Castile. With their Christian enemies divided, the Almohads launched an invasion into Portugal to avenge the attack on Silves. For a whole year from the summer of 1190 to 1191, a great Almohad army was engaged in a sustained campaign throughout the Algarve. They not only recaptured Silves, but also a number of other neighbouring towns. With the exception of one small city, Evora, the Muslims were now back in control of all Portuguese territory up to the River Tagus. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The kings of Spain had again failed to come to the assistance of their fellow Christian. King Alfonso VIII of Castile was at this point the most influential and powerful of the Christian rulers of the peninsula, but his efforts to dominate his neighbours eventually drove them to join forces against him. Firstly, the Aragonese formed an anti-Castilian alliance with Navarra. The small northern kingdom of Navarra, approximately located in the area of the modern-day Basque country, had spent the previous centuries doggedly protecting its independence from its larger neighbours. Without the option of a southern border on Muslim lands in which to expand, the chief policies of the Navarrese for many years had been threefold. Firstly, survival. Secondly, expansion into southwestern France, although this never succeeded to any great extent. And thirdly, fight against Castile for disputed borderlands. The alliance with Aragon provided a great opportunity to assist with the third. At the same time, the kings of Portugal and Leon were negotiating a marriage alliance. King Alfonso IX of Leon, who had been engaged with the Castilian Infanta, agreed instead to marry the daughter of the king of Portugal, Teresa. Next, the two pairs of allies all joined together. In May 1191, all four met in the Aragonese city of Huesca, where they signed an agreement to cooperate against their mutual enemy, Castile. But then something happened that changed again the diplomatic scene entirely. Pope Celestine III, furious that the four allies were preparing to attack fellow Christians instead of the infidels, intervened. He declared the marriage of Alfonso IX of Leon and Teresa of Portugal 
null and void on the grounds of consanguinity, since they were cousins. Next he angrily criticised Alfonso IX for his pact with the Almohads. He declared him an enemy of Christianity, and that his vassals were henceforth freed from any oath of obedience to their ruler. All of a sudden it was now the Kingdom of Leon which became diplomatically isolated. Portugal immediately took advantage of the situation and invaded Leonese territory in Galicia, as did Castile in Benevente. The exasperated Pope hastily sent his nephew, Cardinal Gregorio de Sant'Angelo, to Spain as a papal legate. His brief was to help negotiate a peace among all Christian kingdoms, once and for all, so that they could work together finally against the Muslims. The mission, at least temporarily, was successful. All five Christian kings agreed to a truce, and Leon regained the territory it had just lost. The renewal of peaceful relations between Castile and Leon came none too soon, because the caliph, Al-Mansur, was about to embark on a major military campaign into Spain. A massive Almohad army gathered around Ceuta, and from there crossed the straits, arriving at Tarifa. First, the caliph led his men to Seville, where they combined with a large force of Spanish Muslims. As always in medieval military campaigns, it is difficult to be sure of exact numbers, but the two forces combined, cavalry and foot soldiers, was very sizeable. Several tens of thousands, perhaps over a hundred thousand. They proceeded northwards, reaching Cordova on the 30th of June, and encamped near Alacos, a new fortress which Alfonso VIII of Castile was building on the banks of the river Guadiana, near the modern town of Ciudad Real. Pope Celestine called for the Christians to join together against the common Muslim army that threatened them all. Unfortunately, the armies of both Sancho VII of Navarre and Alfonso IX were not far away and ready to come to the aid of Castile. But Alfonso VIII was impatient. By the 16th of July, the Almohads were already approaching Alarcos, and he feared that if he waited too long for his fellow kings to arrive, it would be too late, and he would lose his fortress. So he decided to attack the enemy alone, hoping that they had not yet had time to go into proper battle formation. The plan was for the heavy cavalry to shatter the enemy with an irresistible charge, the king himself would follow with the infantry and the military orders, and together complete the enemy rout. The initial charge was formidable, but not decisive. After three hours of intense battle, the greater size of the Muslim army began to tell, and the Arab right were able to envelop the Castilian flank and rear. At this point, the best of the Almohad forces attacked, with the caliph himself clearly visible in the front ranks. The Castilian infantry was destroyed, and many of the nobility, including three bishops, at least two counts, and several high-ranking members of the military orders. For the Castilians, the Battle of Aracos was a complete disaster. Alfonso VIII fled in disarray, allowing the Muslim victors to occupy Aracos, Calatrava, and other fortresses guarding the road to Toledo. To make matters worse, the Christian kings of Spain immediately afterwards fell out again. 
Sancho the seventh of Navarre, and Alfonso the ninth of Leon, perhaps annoyed that the Castilians had not waited for them, or perhaps because they saw that they could exploit the weakness of their neighbour, resumed hostilities. The Leonese also renewed their pact with the Almohads, again infuriating the Pope. Celestine excommunicated Alfonso IX in October 1196, releasing his subjects from their oath of allegiance, and even offered indulgences to those who took up arms against him, just as if he were a Muslim ruler. Once again the Christian kingdoms were in a state of extreme instability, and now at a time when the southern borders were dangerously vulnerable to attack. Finally, in 1197, Alfonso VIII and Alfonso IX realised the futility of their struggle and accepted a marriage alliance. The King of Leon married the daughter of the Castilian king and received in dowry the disputed fortresses on the borders. At last it seemed that the two kingdoms were at peace. After the shock of the disaster at Alacos, King Alfonso II, the troubadour of Aragon, renewed good relations with Castile, partly to form a united front against the Muslims to the south, but also to join forces against another common enemy, Navarra. Alfonso died in April 1196, leaving the Kingdom of Aragon and the French county of Roussillon to his eldest son, Pedro, or Peter II, 1196 to 1213, and left Provence to his second son, Alphonse II, who became a vassal of his brother. This separation of Aragon and Provence destroyed the considerable efforts of Alfonso himself and his predecessors to form a united Occitanian state that would span northeastern Spain and southern France. Although the political and cultural links between the two regions remained strong afterwards, they would never again be reunited under one crown. So at this point, on the throne, all three of the Spanish kings who would take part in the Battle of Las Navas de Tolosa, Alfonso VIII of Castile, Sancho VII of Navarra, and Pedro II of Aragon. For now, though, it was just Castile and Aragon who were together in alliance. In 1198, in the town of Calatayud, their two kings signed an agreement, promising to help each other against both Navarra and the Almohads. Alfonso VIII of Castile devoted his full energy to the expulsion of the Navarrese from Castilian territory and the conquest of the Basque provinces of Guipuzcoa and Alava. It was not until 1207 when Castile and Navarre finally concluded a peace. Aragon and Navarre signed a pact in the following year, and Leon and Castile renewed their treaty of peace and friendship in 1209. At long last a durable peace was agreed among all the kings of Christian Spain, much to the relief of the Pope. It was in this period of the Middle Ages when the papacy was at the height of its powers, the new Pope from 1198, Innocent III, was possibly the most powerful person in Europe at the time. Innocent is more famous for triggering the Fourth Crusade and the Albigensian Crusade against the Cathars, but was also active in promoting holy war against the Muslims of Spain. 
in contrast to his predecessor, Celestine III, who was already 86 years old at his coronation, Innocent was a young man in his late thirties. He dedicated his considerable intellect and youthful energy to many projects, both church reform and foreign policy. In 1209, Innocent wrote to the Archbishop of Toledo, Rodrigo Jimenez de Rada, urging him to persuade his king, Alfonso VIII of Castile, to take up arms in a crusade against the infidels of Spain. Caliph al-Mansur died in 1199 and was succeeded by his son, Muhammad al-Nasir. Among the Christians of Spain, the new caliph was known most widely by the name of Miramalin, a corruption of the Arab title Amir al-Muminin, or Prince of Believers. With the benefit of relative peace in Al-Andalus at the time of his accession, Al-Nasir was able to devote his energies to North Africa. He successfully destroyed the last pockets of Almoravid resistance in the Balearic Islands and Tunisia, and so achieved unity under Almohad rule in all his lands. Despite the relative peace in Spain during the first decade of his reign, it was apparent to all that this was the calm before the storm. Al-Nasir was using the truces with the Christians to consolidate his own position in Africa, and on the other, the Christians forged alliances among themselves in readiness for a major confrontation with the Muslims. It was only a matter of time until the storm broke and the crusade or the jihad were renewed. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go and visit the Facebook page That's at www.facebook.com stroke History Europe Net, where you'll find more information, pictures and maps about the various subjects covered. Please also go over to iTunes and give the podcast a review. I hope you can join me again next week for the concluding part of the Battle of Las Navas de Tolosa. Until then, have a great week. And goodbye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.